hit him to the theater and the usher nods me in. They know me here. I descend down the staircase behind the movie screen that only select people know about. The door at the bottom opens and I walk in. The sound of movie spoilers fill the air. The barkeep has my drink ready and motions me to the back. The rest of the crew are here already. This is my type of place and these are my type of people. Join me as we discuss the inner secrets of cinema. Have a seat in the spoiler room. And welcome everyone to uh, the spoiler room. Thank you for venturing down the stairs, pulling up a chair and having a beverage uh, with us as we uh, are down to four last episodes of the year. Kind of bittersweet. And yeah, we last month was the last film that was picked. And that was uh, a, a ninja film, the middle ninja film of the trilogy of canon ninja films. So I decided, why not do ninja fodder? Yes, that's right. Or did I call it ninja cannon? I don't know. I called it something. <laughs> anyway, I think it was ninja cannon. Uh, it's in the title, folks. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing tonight. It's I'm I'm living on three hours of sleep and four cups of uh, pots of coffee. So, uh, yes. yeah. So, but all this month in December, I figured it was a perfect way to close out this year with all the canon films we've already talked about. Let's close it out with a block of canon films. So we are doing the Canon Ninja Trilogy plus. The final movie that was theatrically released by the actual official canon group. And stay tuned later in the month. I'm not going to jinx it now, but we may even have a special crew member. And that's all I'm saying for the end of the month. It'll be a great way if we can work it out to close the month out. But tonight, speaking people with me, we are talking Enter the Ninja 1981 from canon group and my right hand man and friend the man who keeps taking this journey with me i have no idea no i don't have him locked in the basement somewhere he does this voluntarily <laughs> folks it is the one and only mr ian simmons hello ian how are you sir doing great uh i'm excited to talk about <laughs> enter the ninja <laughs> mostly because i don't usually when you put these things out there i just like I just sign up. I'm like, whatever it is, I'll watch it. I'll talk about it. But I thought that these were going to be the Michael Dudikoff ninja movies. Oh, no. These aren't American Ninja. No, these are before Dudikoff. These are pre-Dudikoff. Right. And so I'm like <laughs> all excited. And I press play. I'm like, Franco Nero? <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> A badly dubbed Franco Nero. <laughs> I'm not even sure about that. I think that, that no, just he's dubbed. He, no, I, I just but, like to believe that that's the way he talks. <laughs> just the way. Nope, that's just the way Nero talks. Nope, that's that's what I, that's what Ian's going with, and that's that's his story. He's sticking to it. So, Ian, go ahead. Synopsis: Enter the Ninja. Um, there's a there's a ninja. I'm off. <laughs> A modern day ninja. Uh, it's kind of a. Um, oh my gosh, what is the name of the um, the ninja series? There was on um, on Netflix. The Marvel. I'm totally. I'm I'm running about as much sleep and coffee as you are. Um, 
but uh, it was the one where like there was this big controversy because like a, a blonde white ninja and he was like had these powers and stuff. I don't remember offhand. That's really it was, the, it was the Marvel Netflix series that nobody liked. Oh, oh, you mean uh, Iron Fist? Iron Fist, yes. All right. This is kind of like it's kind of like Iron Fist. He's this if forty forty year old forty year old Franco Nero. Yeah, uh, studying abroad in I guess Japan, learning yes. the arts of uh, of the ninja. Yes, and he finishes his training, and then he goes off to the Philippines to visit his friend Frank and Frank's wife Marianne, who they own a coconut plantation yeah it's a coconut plantation yeah and it's you know it's not the plantation like you usually think of it's a positive play like everybody loves each other and they all get along great and, i guess um and, but the problem is there's these local uh gangster guy who wants to buy the land to develop it and he's trying to muscle frank and his wife out of their land and you know, using some intimidation tactics, but, uh, you know, Cole, our Franco Nero character shows up and then, you know, kind of saves the day by kicking some ass. Um, and that's pretty much yeah. it. Uh, if you can't guess what happens by looking at the poster, uh, <laughs> I just have one thing to say, and that's welcome to the movies. Yes. Welcome to the movies. 1981 enter the ninja, uh, Canon wanted to get into the martial arts arts uh game and yes folks tonight i will be bringing up facts from the canon film guide volume one 1980 1984 austin trunick author uh yeah i'm still plugging that and shilling that because there's a whole chapter on all three ninja films each gets their own chapter and this oh one, my gosh yeah and this one i read up on it and we're talking early canon, and it's it's wild, the story of canon and why, if you ever wonder why people just get psyched about canon films and why there's this fascination, because in the early 80s, canon actually had some surprising success with some of their stuff. Enter the Ninja was one of them. Really? It, <laughs> Enter the Ninja was successful, but not only that, you can thank all the ninja movie spin-offs and the craze that you saw through the 80s and in the 90s is has been attributed to this film. Canon was a trendsetter because until Canon came along, ninja was not coming to America audiences. The, the ninja character, the ninja as we know it with the um, you know, the Sozoku, uh, I hope I pronounced it right, the Sozoku uh, outfit and everything, you know, for Ninja and how they look, you really hadn't gotten that in American cinema, like, and actually released in American, until Enter the Ninja. And it boggled people's minds. I mean, this opening of this movie, Ian, was fantastic. <laughs> I love the fact it features Ninja doing Ninja things and not-so-Ninja things. But... <laughs> Did you did you not like the opening to this film? Just to clarify, I didn't freeze. I just uh, was no, frozen I, in I disbelief. Know. I, I know. <laughs> um, well, first of all, I just want to say uh, I like your setup there, and I like to think that when a cannon comes along, you yeah, must kick, kick it. it. Yeah, Sorry. there you go. Um, nice, nice. I like that. <laughs> thank you. Uh, no, I. You know, it's it's something to do while the credits are opening. Like it's just a guy. It's uh, Hasugawa, I guess his name is. Just yeah. doing doing like 
yeah, ninja things. He's got the nunchucks and the size. And I was sitting there sighing a lot while I was watching this. Because, <laughs> like, here's the thing. It's unless you're I never really went in for the ninja thing. This is mm-hmm. going to sound strange. Clothed ninjas, like clothed martial artists. I like the more the Bruce Lee model where you can see like their shirtless oh, okay. and you can see all the tone and the okay. rippedness. So they're, when yeah. they're doing the stuff with the nunchucks. I'm, uh, there's a scene where Franco Nero in this movie is shirtless. He's out on his, on his friend's front lawn, like in the morning doing stuff with nunchucks. And then Marianne drives by in the Jeep and says, good morning. He's almost like embarrassed. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> you, what? Huh? Um, but I just like to see that when I'm watching this opening, it just seems kind of goofy because he's just against like a black screen mm-hmm. doing ninja stuff. And I just remembered me and my friends probably inspired by stuff that was inspired by this movie when we were 12 doing ninja stuff. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have no idea if he's good or not, if, you know, <laughs> if he's skilled or if he can just like whip stuff around. I did like that at the very end when it comes with the directed by Menachem Golan the the white clad ninja jumps into frame and kicks the guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then it picks up right from like there. Yeah, right. But they're in like a mountainous area, and they're actually fighting each other. Like, what happened to the black screen? But I I have to say was fascinating. This movie came out the same year as Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yes, and they have the same opening, but in reverse order. Did you catch this? Raiders starts with Indy in the temple right. with the little gold with the little head yep. sitting on this platform and then he gets chased out and there's people like you know mm-hmm. coming after him and then it ends with him like in this mountainous areas with like kind of a, a field and then there's like a river and stuff he gets to the you know the plane to safety. Yeah. And this you start off in this mountainous area. There's a river behind them. There's a fight scene. All these people start coming after him and eventually Franco Nero ends up in this you could call it a temple. It's more like the dojo, but there's a little fucking golden platform sitting in front of the front of the room. And the old man comes in and places a head on the platform. Well, it's cause it's a bad dummy head. I love the, this, this movie, there's 13 minutes with no dialogue. It opens with the white ninja, Franco Nero taking on ninjas in the woods. There's no dialogue. It just opens. You don't get a lot of action films like this that give you a 13-minute action sequence where your guy's going through laying waste to a bunch of literal red shirts. They're ninjas, <laughs> red shirts. And one guy in black played by a show, uh, Kosugi, uh, who uh, by the time this came out on VHS, he was a big star, but he, he, no, no one really knew him. But that guy, there's an interesting story in this book that, yeah, um, right here uh, that they give a little bit of backstory about his character, which is fascinating. It literally is like something out of a martial arts film. He's like a kid. He gets trained by an old mentor. Literally it's (laughs) seriously, this is the guy that plays uh, the, the, not nemesis, but the, the, yeah. Hasegawa. No, he's, he's a nemesis. I guess he's a nemesis. Yeah. But so he's chasing him with a bunch of red shirts and, we see we see Nero. He cuts guys' throats. He uh, pulls a bow and arrow out of nowhere. Like this bow and arrow literally manifests out of nowhere. He shoots a couple guys, and then it disappears again. Uh- <laughs> it's not as surprising because when they get back to that, you know, yeah. the 
dojo area and they start doing the things with the hands yeah i'm not gonna i'm gonna butcher it yeah. but it's like the nine Levels, powers yeah. of the ninja <laughs> and one of them i wrote down too mastery of time and space and knowing the thoughts of others so these really are like mcu ninjas <laughs> they, they are <laughs> so when you say where'd that bow and arrow come from i don't know but you know he's a ninja so he can do that i guess <laughs> he pulled it from his inventory grabbed the menu and picked it from his <laughs> menu inventory and it, then it manifested <laughs> uh but yeah he goes through this whole action sequence you, you like throwing a star and it sticks in this guy's face he slits another guy's throats he stabs another guy another guy gets bow and arrowed uh you know uh his nemesis is chasing him through they literally both jump off of a waterfall he goes to this compound jumps through flames takes out another guy spares the guy in black his nemesis then goes up to and this is dedicated to mr Derek carey goes up to the porch where the old the the older wiser <laughs> gentleman who's just observing all this and suddenly cuts his head off and then goes into the dojo and starts meditating and you're like what you got this like 13 minute action sequence and then while he's there the guys that he supposedly kill show up and they sit along either side of him. And then the old guy who must have been through ninja magic must have swapped himself with a dummy. Yeah. And he shows up with the dummy head. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> the thing, like, it all comes back to Franco Nero. It does. Yes. Last week, uh, when we talked about uh, me was it Megaforce? No, it was Future Force. Future Force, yeah. Yes. Megaforce was yeah. A, a while that was the old yeah. of the beast, yeah. Mega Future, and I described David Carradine in that movie as being the personification of beer. Yes. Um, this there's something about Franco Nero and the fact that he's forty years old. <laughs> he just he's he's so perfect for this role, but he's also kind of wrong for it because like he just looks it's the it's like the the eighty early eighties porn stash yeah. and this constant look of like he's embarrassed or he doesn't know if he should have these powers. He looks constantly confused and out of place. I'm like, this is he's not Jean-Claude Van Damme. This should have been a Jean-Claude Van Damme vehicle. It, it, oh, yeah, it should have been. I mean, it's way before it's time. Right. Uh, uh, and what's funny is, again, folks, I'm going to be quoting the book all night. You got it. You should get Austin's book. Anyway, there's some great tidbits in there. Now, originally, Mike Stone, who is a world karate champion and was friends with uh, Kosugi, who plays the nemesis, he was actually cast in the film. It was his script initially oh. that that canon picked up because they wanted to get in the martial arts scene so this world karate champion mike stone was going to be uh our man cole up until galan said we need someone with more uh star power and acting he ran across franco nero in a cafe and signed him never mind nero is a western star who's never had any martial arts experience so then Mike Stone stayed on to do the martial arts choreography and pretty much everything that Nero is in the mask is Mike Stone where he doesn't remove the mask. It's pretty much Mike Stone doing that. Um, wow. Because you could tell when there's the parts when Nero doesn't have his mask on and he's doing 
martial arts in in quotes these stuntmen sell it like wrestlers in a ring okay <laughs> they just they just <laughs> so yeah i mean we get this wild opening sequence and then he's made ninja which of course offends his nemesis um you know building up that rivalry and he goes visits his friend who Instead of knocking on the door, he jumps over the fence and then is surprised by the guy's wife holding a shotgun to him. Um, and then he literally kicks her in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Oh. Like, okay, this isn't... Uh, I One of the things I love about Franco Nero in this movie is... Well, the movie is so over the all over the place tonally because yeah. at times it's this action adventure. At times it's sort of a like a head like a intimidating dramatic martial arts movie and then it dives headfirst into comedy yeah and he's like he's like a funny chuck norris he throughout is. a lot of his movies <laughs> and the characters they run across too there's a character called dollars he eventually meets up with who i love dollars he's this guy that runs this thrift store that will sell you out of his jacket on one side uh porn pictures and on uh, the other side what is it uh uh crucifixes crucifixes yeah <laughs> now he reminds speaking of chuck norris he reminded me of m emmett walsh's character from the yeah. missing in action mm-hmm. movies um but what i love i don't have the actor's name because i'm on the computer that i usually have to bring up my imdb but uh he the actor played dollars four years after this he would show up in back to the future Yep. He was the old farmer. Looks like an airplane. Yeah. Without wings. <laughs> Will Will Hare is his name. And yeah, he's the one that shoots uh the mailbox, basically. And in 1984, Silent Night, Deadly Night. Oh yeah. He played the old grandpa guy that the, the little kid went to visit in the uh, in the old folks' home and creeped everybody out. In the wheelchair. Now he's playing, yeah. a, now he's playing dollars. Yeah. <laughs> he's playing dollars. Love this, it. This this porn slash crucifix vendor who ends up yeah being kind of the emmett walsh sidekick to franco nero talk about an odd pairing um and and nero character cole of course he's in the town and if you followed any uh martial arts films you have the small village so of course you have the guy looking for protection we've got a guy named the hook Guess why he's called the hook? Because he's really into prostitution? No. No. Because um, he's got a hook for a hand. <gasps> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> what I loved, because there's so much in this movie that reminded me of uh, of Kickboxer. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But the, that scene where the hook is shaking down the guy, the like the little market yeah. guy, in Kickbox, there's a scene where this guy is shaking down a market guy. Just waited for Franco Nero to go over there and have like Marianne say, "It's okay." And he'll go, "No, no it's not." <laughs> <laughs> but I did love that when Marianne and uh, Cole are driving through the village, mm-hmm. they come upon. Peewee, who's one of the plantation like right. uh, workers, I guess he's like an underboss or something. He's getting beaten up by you know some of the thugs. They pull the jeep over, 
and like you see Franco Nero like leave the Jeep and the next time you see him he's like flying into frame from a downward <laughs> angle like kicking a guy in the face I'm like where did he come from <laughs> so good uh, and yes, uh, I, I did see the documentary, Robert, and we just mentioned that earlier that, uh, you know, Nero was the last minute casting because, you know, Galan wanted someone else. So, yeah, who cares if he's got experience? But, yeah, he sells it well. He sells it the best he can for a 40-year-old Western star in a martial arts film. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, yeah. you, what, what I find hilarious oh Ian you know what I'm glad you're here let's have a cockfight <laughs> but we don't have chickens so that'd be awkward but anyway <laughs> well, we, we can still do that I don't know if we can do that while we're live streaming but you <laughs> not know. on YouTube anyway uh, <laughs> yeah um, no we're not quite Jeffrey Tubin level but no I yeah there is a scene where he announces a cockfight he's so enthusiastic about it. he's like cockfight i'm like oh wow <laughs> there, there's two instances where they decide to have a cockfight with their their roosters but the second one is the one where you're talking about where peewee gets uh beat up because it gets broken up because they just start having a fight because cole's buddy who owns this plantation these guys want to muscle him out they want the land because we eventually find out hook works for a uh, Bond villain reject. He, he could have been Bond, uh, a Bond villain, but he didn't quite make the cut. But he still does the twirly mustache. Uh, he's working for a big corporation who wants this land uh, uh, for oil. Um, go figure, oil. You know? And so that's why they want the land. And uh, Cole's buddy won't sell. Because his wife wants the money, uh, the land. Now, granted, Cole's buddy, uh, he has had some trouble with his wife as of late. Uh, yeah, Frank. Um, in that he's fallen into the bottle because of the pressure of trying to sell his land. And at one point, he shares with his friend that his wife wants it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I kid you not, folks. This is a conversation that these two gentlemen have. He says, my wife wants it all the time, but I just can't get it up anymore. Well, our in that, hero can. In that scene. <laughs> yeah. Well, in, in that scene, I don't know. Are you noticing a bit of a, a slowdown or a delay, Mark? Uh, not too much, no. No. Okay. I'm, I'm seeing like you're moving a little slow motion. As long as it's not on your end, um, I can, I'm, I'm fine. No. But no, there's a scene in the bar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. And the Frank looks, first of all, there's too many like wide shots of Frank in this movie. And he looks just like James Khan in The Godfather. It was so distracting. I just kept waiting for so for him to like go to a, to a toll booth and get <laughs> riddled full of bullets. <laughs> but no, that scene at the bar, you're absolutely right. He's like, I'm just I'm just impotent. And she wants it all the time. And the camera focuses on Franco Nero. He's got this thousand yard stare. He's like, Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) and literally literally the next scene he's in bed reading with his shirt off and marianne the wife shows up in a negligee crawls into bed with him and he turns the lamp off and well we fade to black into the next day 
where they have this awkward meal around the table with their buddy Frank as they've done the deed. Um, and it's it's strange because this keeps coming back up in the movie. Uh, it comes back up a couple of times that Frank suspects that he knows what happened, but he's also upset about it. But he's also upset that he's upset, I guess, because he... <laughs> kind of understood that this was why they did it because he can't perform. I didn't understand. I was like, this needs its whole movie to work out these people's issues. <laughs> you need a whole other movie to work out the issues, but you won't get that uh, here. You just get more Nero taking out guys because uh, after our man Cole has uh, dispatched a number of henchmen, the uh, supervillain, in his in his high rise with his pool full of lovely ladies that he's teaching how to synchronize swim um he offers frank seven figures okay we're talking 1981 he's seven figures and while they're how they're talking about this Cole is going around taking out guards, a la ninja style, though he's not dressed like a ninja. So when we get to the confrontation, he shows up with all these assault guns and dumps them down at the feet of the negotiator. And uh, yeah, then another fight ensues. But okay, that was that was an odd move. Like, yeah, you take out all the guards and then you just literally dump this cache of weapons at the feet of the guy who is threatening you. I don't, I didn't understand that move, well, well, but you know, it's, and, it's Frank on I'll let it go. <laughs> it's Frank on Well, not only that, but they got dollars enlisted because as we mentioned, dollars is his sidekick dollars goes up into a top of this ruins where they're at on this wall and sniper. Now he's one guy with a machine gun. Uh, Cole's taken about half their guards. So when they say, no, I don't want the money, uh, the back half of the guards who didn't get taken out show up. They have many guns. Dollars has one yeah. gun. Cole doesn't have any high... guns. <laughs> no, but Dollars has the high ground, which if you remember your Revenge Star of the <laughs> Sith, that's the only, that's important. <laughs> That's, that's right. That's important. Even still, I'm sitting there going, they decide to play it honorably and put their guns down and go after the guy who's already taken out half their forces hand to hand and beaten the shit out of everybody twice already. These aren't the brightest henchmen. Okay. But. But no, I don't think it's so much that it's just the power of the ninja, especially in the hands of our Cole is so strong. I saw something in this film that I've never seen in any movie ever. And I wrote it down and put mm. a little star next to it in the scene where they're taking out the henchmen. They're sneaking up on everybody. There's a bit where Cole gets up onto a roof and there's a guy standing there, you know, watching guard. Cole comes up behind him, chops him or something, but he basically throws him off the roof. Yeah. He falls without making a sound. Now, I've never seen someone fall off a roof in a movie without going, ah! This guy falls like a ninja would fall to his death. No sound whatsoever. That's how good Cole slash Franco Nero is. Yes. He, he can toss a guy and even have him not make a sound. 
amazing. <laughs> it, well, what's even funnier is, uh, you know, him taking out these guys. Like I said, these guards are clueless. I mean, he just, <laughs> you know, they they do the kind of cartoonish thing where all of a sudden the guy's standing there and all of a sudden he just whoop disappears or whoop. He just, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or the one move hit because they're the minor boss. They're not even bosses. They're just the henchmen guys. Um, I, that was well, just a weird this, there's scene. A scene. Well, there's, there's one where a guy gets like yanked down onto the ground. And then like the second after you see him fall out of the frame, there's like two or three cracking sounds. I'm like, what's going on down? There? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't ask. Uh, <laughs> Cole does know ninja magic. I will acknowledge that. Lee. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Uh, we have it here. Uh, Robert mentioned that uh, he saw a clip that Galan spoke of the ninja films as modern me- westerns, and yeah, you do have the white dress ninja and the black dress ninja, so the white hat versus black hat thing going mm-hmm. on, I guess. And since you do have Nero in here, there's your western. Uh, <laughs> what's funny is uh, they show nunchucks. Nunchucks are not the tool of the ninja. Galan wanted nunchucks why because bruce lee had nunchucks you know that yeah. i mean after bruce lee unfortunately passed there was that surge of interest in martial arts and this is galan and canon trying to hop on that hype train and uh you know and 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 giving us the the nero ninja <laughs> nero ninja character and yeah as lee said Cole knows ninja magic. He does know ninja magic because he does the hand thing. And then he goes, this is, we get near the end, folks. And I know we're jumping around, but this film isn't exactly deep. But, you know, Mm -hmm. it it follows your normal formula. But what's interesting is we don't get a lot of him in his ninja outfit until like near the very end. And Ian, I want to know, I found this hilarious. He goes through... They sneak into the tower with the main villain uh, and dollars helps by offering the guards porn, <laughs> which if you're going to distract someone, hey, look, uh, porn. But so they sneak in and he uh, takes out half the guards and then they find this reel of the his nemesis from his school. And we come to find out we got a scene where uh, the smarter henchman, as it's put in the book, uh, goes to Japan <laughs> to hire, uh, you know, him to take on uh, Cole and, in this wonderful like presentation. Like he he hops into the doorway. <laughs> Kosugi's character uh, Hasegawa hops into the doorway, does a few moves. Then he hops out of the doorway. Then he comes back with a weapon and he shows some weapon. And then he <laughs> it had me laughing. It well, it reminded me of the opening of this of the movie. Right. Like when he's just like standing there doing all this stuff. And when he when he leaves, he just kind of like walks out and he eventually reappears through a side door, like crouching. Yeah. But I'm just like, I get the feeling he's like. He has the fifth time I've had to do this little audition dance today. Thanks, boss. Can't um, we just show photos? I, mean, I want to get back to. Go ahead. Oh no, he's got to know. You know, he's got to know what he's getting into. But yeah, I want to go back to that uh, that building scene where yeah. uh, Cole and Dollars infiltrate. 
Dollars goes off to show these two guards at the front door of the porn. And then Cole comes in and does this amazing thing where he, like, does this... Uh, what did I call it? I wrote this down. I, I don't know where it is, but... Oh, it's a group hug charge. Yeah. Because he, like, runs at them, gets all three men in a group hug, and then rushes them into the elevator. And then, of course, it cuts to the elevator opening on the top floor and like Cole and dollars are dressed in the guy's clothes and you see they're on the underwear but it was like this amazing thing you don't see any like punches really you just see like this group hug and they uh, they rush and they disappear in the elevator it's 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 a wonderful bit of theater and I did love the fact that dollars finds a projector and this is just the world he lives in he finds a projector in this high rise and he thinks oh it's porno movies and it turns on <laughs> it turns no it's, it it's basically well given the it's villain like you know, well, it's it's Hashigara's, uh demo reel <laughs> being played out. Um, yeah. yeah, which which was very well produced, which was supposed to be like a candid footage. <laughs> Not so much, but okay, Mister Kimura, I think that's the um, that's the master. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. the, the and he's like the old kind master who trained cole and you know gave him his ninja badge or whatever and sent him off into the world and we're led to believe that he even though he knows that hashigawa is a problem he's not going to loan him out as an assassin for hire but parker who's the the underling is sent out to find a ninja someone who could stop cole goes to kimura and says uh yeah sure I'm just going to use your highly trained ninja assassin for the forces of good. Yeah. <laughs> but there's no like conversation like, oh, really? Could you please describe the problem? It's like, no, just just trust me. Here's some money. <laughs> Here's some money. It's all good. It's not. Here you go. All good. Yeah. Not not nefarious. I do like I do like Lee. No, I do like Lee's comment down down here. Um, I, I want to see a mashup now of. Uh, Franco Nero in a Western as a ninja, Ninjango. Ninjango. Yes. <laughs> yes, because he was Django and now yeah, he's a ninja, well, yeah. so he could be Ninjango. Ninjango. Beautiful. Ninjango. I love it. He could still wear the hat, but he'd have like the ninja outfit. He'd have the the Shozoku, but he'd have the the hat. like the, yeah. <laughs> And he'd have a yeah, gun. And, and also. And a nunchucks. Yeah. And a sigh. He'd have a gun and a <gasps> sigh. There you go. No, even better. We got gunchucks. Gunchucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, gunchucks. That that should be that I don't think I've ever seen gunchucks, but now I want to. Now I want to bad to where <laughs> and then you go like this like a shotgun like it's like a zip gun and you just like pow and then <laughs> there you go. You could you could do it that way. Cannons come cannons coming back and we're starting it right here. <laughs> That's right. Um, we're bringing But no. I, I like that the idea here is that it's not going to be a spaghetti western. It's going to be a ramen noodle western. Oh, nice. <laughs> That's nice. Yes. That's, yeah. Now I want ramen noodles. I like ramen noodles. But <laughs> I didn't. I had them as a snack but, today. Yeah. So, yeah. So, our he- hero, our hero, let, let's put it this way, is uh, he he's slept with his <laughs> he slept with his buddy's wife. Okay, he's taken out, like, you know, all these guards. He's supposed to be the good guy. 
he goes after the bad guy. And, and this is I, I love this final showdown because they've hired his nemesis. He realizes they've hired his nemesis or have put together that they've hired his nemesis. So he gets all dolled up and he goes back again to the high rise to fight people until he comes up against uh, Peters, the, the, the second hand man who said, oh, yeah, we knew you were here. Sure, we'll negotiate because they've kidnapped his buddy's wife and killed his buddy. Because uh, once uh, <laughs> Hasegawa shows up, uh, let me backtrack. Hasegawa shows up in town, immediately goes to work. He infiltrates mm-hmm. the compound of his buddy, the farm, the plantation, takes out the guards with ease, either with the, the comb slash tiger claw um, or, you know, whatnot. And then he goes after uh, Cole's buddy who comes out with a bat against a ninja. So you know how that's going to go. So he comes out with that. Of course, he dies. Uh, uh, Hasegawa kidnaps the wife. We have that romantic connection with our hero and his buddy's wife, who now is a single. Um, <laughs> and so he goes after the bad guy. There we go. Now we're caught up. My brain, sorry, ran on a different rail. And that's where well, he takes out all the guards. You, you did You did miss the part where, uh, who, what's, uh, Husagawa. Yeah. Or, yeah, Husagawa, uh, when he's taking out Frank, Marianne is tied up to a, tr- like a big palm tree. Right. Frank is like running to her. Husagawa takes a throwing star and throws it and misses. He missed what kind him. Of ninja yeah. is that? And the, the second, yeah, the second, the second star makes contact, and then you know, nice neck slit and everything. And and I did, I genuinely was kind of moved when uh, Cole shows up and finds Frank lying, you know, swimming dead in the pool. And he has his war flashback. You can see him like getting emotional and stuff because they're talking about like the war is over. What are you going to do? I'm going to find a nice lady and settle down and yeah. all this other stuff. It's it's really kind of nice. Um, contrast this and we haven't talked a whole lot about the comedy in this movie but uh earlier on when there's like another showdown with uh hook hand man which i'm glad he was kind of taken out as a villain midway through the movie the hook Not yeah killed yeah. but you know yeah yeah uh at one point cole rips his hook hand off throws it at him several yards and there's a genuine on the soundtrack i'm like what even is this movie i have no idea but i'm all in (laughs) yeah well because he rips the hook out and then it's a bloody hook too i mean this thing this hook was like seriously attached to the hook's arm this is not like you know his his he put it over uh uh you know uh an appendage it it was like attached to like severely attached when our hero ripped the hook off because it's bleeding and everything and yeah we get the want want trombone um so yeah you have that comedy you you have yeah it's just it's it just you just don't know what you're watching and where it's gonna go because you, you think you've got the formula down but then you have him going after uh, to rescue the woman and he gets to the the second in command who says oh you didn't have to take out half the guards we're we know you're coming i loved how he said that you know yeah i'll take you to him 
I'll take you to the boss. You didn't have to like kill like half my guys. <laughs> well, that's the other thing that was kind of weird because as much as I think Franco Nero is cool, Cole as a character is not that easy to root for because no. he slept with his best friend's wife yeah. and never even like really talked about it. And then also when he's going into this high rise to go after, I keep wanting to call him Vesuvius, but it's Venarius. Venarius disease. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. <laughs> He's killing, like he he kills the guy who's like the receptionist, he killed the receptionist. like at the front desk. <laughs> she doing absolutely. He's killing nothing. like regular. <laughs> right. He's also killing just like people guarding like the elevator, <laughs> and this kind of goes back to some of the missing in action stuff we talked about. Uh-huh. Where aside from the military, who are all you know very obviously evil you know people. The people in the village, like the prostitutes and all this other stuff, there's nothing sexy about it because you realize these are poor people just like doing what they can to survive. And it's kind of the same thing. Venarius in the middle of the Philippines has this giant like Nakatomi Plaza skyscraper (laughs) that everybody is probably, you know, falling all over themselves to get a job at. And they just get taken out by this (laughs) middle-aged white ninja. (laughs) This middle-aged white ninja who isn't exactly stealthy going through the building. I mean... Being a ninja, you would think he would try to avoid the guards and not necessarily have to expend all of his weapons killing every single person he runs across, even though he's going to go rescue his woman. You you would think that he was going to, you know, be stealth like a ninja, you know, but no, he's more like a bull in a a china shop to where he's just he's just literally just. Killing anybody who crosses his path, you know, the 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 janitor, whatever. Oh, you're here. You're a bad guy. Um, you know, only to find out, oh, you didn't have to kill everyone. We would have taken it to the boss. <laughs> Lee, before we get to this this finale, Lee did mention he like they did do Shanghai Noon, so there's Kung yes. Fu in the old west. So now we have ninjas versus cowboys, which I think actually is a movie. I'm not quite sure. Uh <laughs> They did Cowboys versus Aliens, but you know, eh, they they do need to do Ninja versus Cowboys. Yeah, that would that would definitely be interesting. Um <laughs> though I have seen a number of films that have had ninjas fighting cowboys. It just wasn't called Ninja versus Cowboys. Hey, and we lost all of our audience. There you go. No, uh <laughs> oh. <laughs> because it's been a bit schizophrenic tonight. But yeah, I mean so he goes to this final this is the first time ever I've seen a guy in a or or anybody in a ninja outfit ride shotgun in a car <laughs> because the second hand guy says, "Hey, I'll take you to the boss." And he you think maybe okay, we'll take you downstairs or to some place, you know, nearby. But they hop in a car and drive through town. <laughs> to the cockfight arena <laughs> and and you have this ninja sitting in the car and it just looked weird i'm like it did look weird because i i just don't think i have a hard time imagining cole just saying like i'll go with you and i'll ride in the back like passenger seat and there was no like guards on him with like guns trained at his head or anything like that. It's just like it's just like getting an Uber to the to the yeah. bad guy's lair. <laughs> he literally got an Uber in his ninja outfit. Uh, 
<laughs> you know, and then he shows up and then and then the second in command goes in and tells the boss, oh, hey, I've got him here. And then comes out and is surprised when all of the guards around the door are are, are dilated. <laughs> that was a nice scene because i feel like there were more people when they discover the bodies there's like three times more people there than when they went upstairs <laughs> there were there's like three guys guarding the door to the cockfight place but when he comes out there's like a dozen guys knocked out on the floor <laughs> and hanging out of the car and whatnot and they're like oh no meanwhile our villain venerius who like i said spends a lot of his time yelling and wishing he was in a Bond film, uh, he literally yells at one point, I want, where's my black ninja? I want my black ninja now. It's his exact words, yeah. folks. Because Hasegawa has gone, is disappeared. Meanwhile, Cole annihilates nearly everybody in the arena. And the boss, you would think, okay, the boss isn't going to get finished off right away. He's first going to fight Hasegawa. But no, no. Ian, what happens to Darius? The guy who we've built up like as the main villain through this whole thing, like 15 minutes before the end of the film. <laughs> he gets killed. He gets a star to the head. And in he the does. I mean, there is, well, he does have, for as much as he's, you know, kind of a pathetic villain. I First of all, the actor, and I don't have his name handy but he was also in the movie the movie's pieces and city of the living dead yes so like where do i know this guy from um so he's great and he chews scenery with the best of them oh he does and like as his henchmen keep falling you know just like falling by the wayside he can seem like ducking even when there's nobody around in his personal vicinity he's ducking as if he's hiding behind dudes um but when he gets the the star to the chest a it feels like it's like a serving plate size star. Like I feel like Franco Nero threw a regular star when it made contact. It like took up his old chest. But when he dies, he had the weirdest expression. He was just like, eh. and then he falls over. <laughs> he literally goes, eh. and he, he falls over dead. It's hilarious. Oh my! I'm like, I why should I be? La I shouldn't be laughing. This is like the you know almost climax of the film because Hasegawa has just been hiding with uh, Marianne this whole time somewhere. Uh, <laughs> you know, he's using ninja magic as well. Uh, so, you know, but yeah, he just, he's got that eh look when he dies. And I think the star growing was big because it was kind of like that Superman and Superman, to, you know, where he throws the <laughs> S and it grows bigger and it wraps around. It's kind of like that, only he throws a regular ninja star and then it just grows in size and then tags the main boss, you know, kind of like. Can we talk about some of those these other deaths when he's going around killing the other henchmen leading up to the boss fight? Yeah. Um, first of all, I noticed the score in this movie is very odd because during some of the action scenes reminded me of the fight scenes from the original Harry Manfredini score from the original Friday, the 13th, mm -hmm. like the scenes where uh, Alice was fighting Mrs. Voorhees that kind of like, I'm not going to do it, but that, da, 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 yeah. da, da, like yeah. that, like that kind of like big kind of trombone and violin stuff going on. And at one point, I think it's when Cole is in the compound. They even go to like a, he's doing stealth modes, like a kind of like a, 
got like there's very a lot of Friday the Thirteenth in this score is very odd. But when he's murdering the henchmen, he gets really creative. Like yeah. he takes t- there's two guys in a hallway. He takes a couple of sides and throws them out. They both get him in the stomach. They both fall over this beautiful choreographed death. There's another guy. He takes like a handful of like little ninja throwing stars and throws them. And it's like, just like pellets. The guy like turns them into pinhead, but with ninja stars. Well, yeah. Cause he threw it backwards Beautiful. too. He, he grabs it and he, that's throw, right. He throws it backwards. So he doesn't even look at the guy. He's just got his handful of little mini like jacks of death. And he throws them back and he just, ah, the guy gets all stabbed with him. Uh, yeah. He gets really creative with his deaths. Um, we've got some some comments here. Uh, I would love that. They needed a scene. Lee says they needed a scene where Cole is in his ninja gear in an elevator with the girl from Ipanema playing. I, I that would be awesome. Uh, <laughs> be there for that. And Robert says uh, David Carradine did play Kane in one of those Kenny Rogers Gambler miniseries. So there you go. You know, really uh, don't know wow. which chapter. Now that's a hell of a crossover. And then he also stated, yeah, Kurt Russell does hurl something that resembles a star to the head of one of the Duke's underlings in Escape from New York. Oh, yeah. I mean, this film, for as ridiculous as it is and the fact that it's canon, you look at this thing and you realize how it so many movies afterwards tried to mimic a lot of this stuff, including canon later on with their American Ninja series with Michael Dudikoff. Uh, which I almost want to see this film remade with Michael Dudikoff now. Uh, but Nero does well. No, but- no, they need to. No, they need to remake American Ninja, which I haven't seen with uh, Franco Nero. I just want to see him in, in everything. <laughs> you just want to see Franco Nero and everything. Yeah, because he's got he he's got charisma. He's got a presence on the screen, regardless of his somewhat martial arts ability which you could tell that you know mike stone mad props for staying on the film because not only is he choreographing things he's playing the stunt double for nero that's why those scenes look really good and nero when he doesn't have the mask not so much but you know (laughs) (laughs) just mad props for him for stepping aside still being part of this project for the bigger star who definitely this he makes the most of it. You can tell Nero's having fun, but at the same time, he's out of his element a little bit with this movie. But he he gives it his all because he's that type of actor, and we're better off for it because we just get this wonderful scene. At the end, especially, we get his showdown with you know his nemesis with Marianne, who you know could have ran away. Hasegawa and and Cole are ready to fight, and she had the opportunity to run, but she, she doesn't. She sticks around because I don't know, you know. Hey, let's see how this plays out. I just, you know, I don't get that part. Well, well, the what I thought was kind of cool is that Hasegawa, you know, they're in this arena. They've got these kind of gates, uh, yeah, you know, entry and exit gates. Even though he's got Marianne hostage, he lets her go. Like yeah, he, he, he opens, walks her out. Yeah, the, like kind of holds the gate for her. She walks walks away, and I think he kind of steps aside and does some kind of a gesture to suggest that he's not going to like <laughs> stab her in the back as she's walking <laughs> out the gate or something like that. It's an honorable 
you know, uh, fight. And I, I kind of, I appreciated that. Well, because they pushed earlier that he, he prided himself as being old school warrior. He holds to the honor code and that, so he's not just going to kill her Mm -hmm. for no reason as much as it is a, she's uh, basically used as a pawn, you know, as a way to weaken his opponent, he still will not harm her because he's very honorable, which shows up later on in this fight that they have. (laughs) Uh, You know, it's an interesting fight that they have. I mean, uh, our, our hero doesn't have complete plot armor. He does get hurt in here. Yeah, it gets a nice um, slash across the leg, which is kind of, you got to have that. Yeah. Uh, you know, so he gets a slash on the leg. He gets hurt. But, of course, he's he's going to win. And we get the old, give me an honorable death. And so <clears> he <throat> cuts Hasegawa's head off. <laughs> the- and Marianne is up in the rafters. She watches this whole thing. Yeah. <clears throat> and the look on her face, it the expression doesn't change from the time that Cole raises the sword to the time we see the dummy head on the mat. I knew right then how this movie was going to end. And it ends with Cole leaving the compound. And he's he's like, are you sure you won't change your mind? And in her head, I'm like, there's no fucking way I'm going with this guy. I just watched him behead someone. <laughs> I don't care if it was to save me or whatever, but if this guy can do that, plus he, you know, cheated on me with my husband. <laughs> this guy, she, you know, she's got her, she's got her crew back anyway for the, the coconut plantation, which she now knows has oil. So later on she could play that card later if she really wants to and get out of the coconut harvesting business and, and go into oil. Um, <laughs> that's true. And, and even coconut oil. Um, oh, real quick. Uh, I, I forgot to mention Franco Nero was great. We talked about him only a few weeks ago when we were talking about, uh, force 10 from Navarone. Yeah. Yeah. He was in that as well. I, I, I didn't even plan it that way. I just, I was like, oh, and then I, I remember seeing that. I'm like, oh, yeah. sure you didn't. I, I did not. It just, these things are the, the, the crazy coincidences <laughs> that happen here in the spoiler room where we get these connections. I still blame Kevin Bacon. So <laughs> I, I still blame Kevin Bacon for that because ever since we've had uh, the 52 degrees of Kevin Bacon, um, uh, we find all kinds of connections between our movies that we cover here. <laughs> I blame so. Kevin Bacon and and this show for the fact that I can't think of Kevin Bacon without thinking about the Woodsman, <laughs> and I keep making all these connections, not just to Kevin Bacon, but I keep connecting movies to the Woodsman. <laughs> uh, Robert says, uh, "Wasn't there a character named Hasegawa in a Kurosawa film? There." might have been or something similar i looked up hasagawa and i didn't see anything outside of enter enter the ninja uh but there might have been one similar uh to it uh but i i'm not too familiar with the kurosawa character films uh characters in there i i think i think kurosawa actually got name dropped in this movie when parker went to go look for like ninjas and he talked to that agent who like represented movie stars it's like oh yeah this person worked for kurosawa also i want to point out enter the ninja 
has, I believe, the distinction of being one of the only films in movie history whose name is the exact same as the porn parody of it. Oh, really? <laughs> I'm glad. Well, I don't know that for sure, but I'm pretty sure it, it has to be true. <laughs> if not, it is now. Thanks a lot. And yes, uh, <laughs> Nero's appearance did uh, show up in Die Hard 2, which is a Christmas movie, fight me, uh, as the Noriega guy on the plane. That was Franco Nero. Yeah, I remember that. So. Whoa, I got to watch Die I've not watched Die Hard 2 in probably 30 years, but now knowing that I just got to see everything that Franco Nero has been in because yeah. I'm, I'm officially a fan. And that's the thing is Franco Nero for <laughs> Lee, Lee said, enter the Ninja 2 balls deep. <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. This show is just all over the place tonight, folks. I am sorry. But it's a different kind of star is all I'm saying. It's a different anyway. kind of throwing star. Uh, <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> um, um, hey, Mark. Iron Fist indeed. <laughs> it is i'm sure uh yeah ironic there is a porn parody given that canon what canon began as that's true robert uh i mean you know the happy hooker series so uh and many other films <laughs> and lee never claimed to be in this movie guy. well this this movie also has a guy a happy guy with a hook it does have a happy guy with a hook so happy hooker yeah. i guess that is technically a happy yeah. hooker uh, but franco nero he's having fun in this film he's got the charisma he carries this film i think if they would have had anyone else play the out of mask ninja hero uh, i don't think this film would quite appeal as much as nero because nero brings that experience on the screen tries his best to see martial arts i chuckled when we got to the nunchuck scene you mentioned earlier I just laughed because he gets this look on his face. Like, he looks so serious. Like he's really into it. And all I could think of was, well, don't strain that, you know, your back there. You might hurt something, Frank, Franco. Um, and, you know, badly dubbed audio all the way around. But at the end, folks, there's a bookend to this film. We talked about the odd tone and the humor and how you've got Ninja and then you got the stuff about the impotent buddy and then you've got death and you've got all these fights. Uh, and then at the very end, he's chosen not to stay with the woman. He's heading back to the States and he gets out of the car and you have the hook guy shows up who says, oh, do you need a porter? And then realizes who it is. And he's like, ah, because uh, um, uh, Cole mentioned to Dollars, who's now his chauffeur, you know, ninjas don't just kill for no reason. And then once he sees the hook, he goes, well, there's always an exception to the rule. And then he looks at the camera and winks. <laughs> And you know what? That is a total death wish ending. That is a because death it's just wish like ending. when 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 Paul Kiersey goes to the airport and he sees the people mugging or whatever. Yeah, he goes right at that. But I got a slight correction, Mark. Hmm. The line is, "A true ninja doesn't kill; 
he eliminates. Oh, there that you is go. A Chuck Sorry. Norris yes. worthy line. That is oh my Chuck. god, I want that on a T-shirt. That is. A- I want. <laughs> I want that on a T-shirt with the shirtless Franco Nero with the nunchucks. <laughs> <laughs> that is a T-shirt you could sell a lot of uh, uh, shirts to. I think. Uh, and uh, Robert, uh, just to let you know, I have not seen a credit for Nero's voice who dubbed it. I just know that it was dubbed because they wanted him to have a more Texan accent rather than Italian. I don't know necessarily why, but, you know, whatever. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it was more of a Franco-American accent, which is oh, to say nice, uh, can't nice. can spaghetti. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're just recent fans of uh, Franco Nero there, Robert. Uh, he was in uh, Tarantino's Django Unchained for just a brief, great cameo. But still, uh, yeah, he was in, he was in Django Unchained. Uh, because if you're going to do a Django movie and Franco Nero's available, you better have him in there, regardless of his reboot, retelling, whatever. You got to have Nero in there because that's what he's known for. And those are just wild films just like this one is. Um, if you watch it, folks, you can see where so many films borrowed from this. And that's what's wild is, is Canon gets the bad rep and everything, or just a cheesy rep. It's still set off the ninja craze, which eventually launched to the American Ninjas, launched your spinoff. I mean, studios picked up on it. Indie cinemas picked up on it, bringing, you know, ninjas to the uh, North American audience and even eventually got Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which, you know, uh, as the book says here from Mr. Austin Trudnick, he says the nunchucks that your ninja turtle has. If you like him, it's because of this movie that ninja has nunchucks because ninjas didn't use nunchucks until Enter the Ninja. And then they were everywhere because it wasn't because bruce lee because bruce lee used nunchucks and that's why he wanted them in this film regardless of whether or not it was accurate to what ninjas actually used (laughs) so yeah this it's you know final thoughts on it ian would you recommend people to watch this i would and you know, it's nice to have that bit of backstory. I, I still have to get, unfortunately, I still have not picked up the Canon film guide. I got to fix that maybe for Christmas. I'll <laughs> it'll show up on my stocking. But um, it's interesting because watching this movie, it's so goofy. But that's only because we've got 40 years of right. ninja movies and Americanized ninja stories. So I have to kind of like reverse engineer it to think, yeah, this isn't the greatest movie ever. A lot of things came from it and improved upon this formula but if i'm really watching a genesis point it's a fun movie also i wonder if there's a bit of credit that arnold schwarzenegger needs to throw franco nero's way or maybe Malcolm <laughs> golan because the scene in the bar where marianne is having auditions for uh like plantation hands once right. hook and all of his goons run everybody off it ends with a fight uh, Cole takes ninja, uh, the hook guy and like forces his hook into a post. Yeah. And then he says, hang around. I'll be back. Now those are two, 
Those are two Schwarzenegger lines if I ever heard them. I think he says, I'll be back twice in this yeah, movie. I, I think he, I think and this so. is before this is three years before Terminator. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's I mean, it's before Terminator. So uh, maybe Arnold did uh, borrow from it or Cam- <laughs> James Cameron saw this. Oh, I like that. I'll be back. Who knows? But <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think they should give some credit to to Franco Nero. You should give a lot of credit to Franco Nero uh, and the rest of uh, Golan and Canon for what your martial arts films are today in the North American produced martial arts films. Let's, let's specify that North American produced martial arts. Film. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, Robert Broad uh, adds this part that I totally agree with. And have come across many times that a number of people did get rooked by Golan uh, he said Caroline Monroe did a film for his 21st century films where she her voice was dubbed. And uh, yeah, did, they did not pay her what she was contracted to receive, which you will find as you go along through the history of canon that became more and more of a trend as their surprise popularity dwindled and they started biting off more than they could chew. I still wish I could see their Spider-Man movie, but no more Spider-Man talk. <laughs> and uh, no more talk tonight. We're going to put a ninja throwing star into Enter the Ninja, folks. Uh, hope you've enjoyed <laughs> this rambling episode. Uh, I, yeah, I, I'd recommend watching it, too. You can see the influences. Um, you know, it's it's cheesy. It's, it's canon. It's ridiculous. But just for the 13-minute opening action sequence alone you watch that and you will see where so many films have borrowed just literally from that section of this movie um yeah it's fun so enter the ninja the first of the canon ninja trilogy which we use the term very loose okay folks they they are they are wafer thin connected to one another but they are all produced by Canon, and we're covering them all. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode. And now this is where I give my wonderful crew member the license to shill. So please, sir, shill away. All right. Well, I'm Ian Simmons. Uh, I run Kicking the Seat, which you can find at kickseat.com. Uh, it's an audio podcast. There's also a video component, which you can find on YouTube. So just look up Kicking the Seat on YouTube. Do uh, multiple uh, episodes each week, movie reviews, filmmaker interviews, uh, and then on Wednesday nights, we do a live uh, roundtable for Disney Plus Marvel shows. Uh, so tomorrow night or yeah. this past Wednesday, whenever you're watching it, uh, we're going to be doing Hawk Talk. We uh, have a series talking about the Hawkeye show. Uh, and Mark is uh, good enough to to drop by and, and guest on a number of those. So uh, it's a lot of fun. So check it out, uh, 8.30 p.m. Central. And if you like what you see, please like and subscribe. All that good stuff. All that good stuff. Check it all out. I, yes, have the privilege of being on there. I may actually make tomorrow's show if I'm not passed out cold. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, definitely get some sleep. Yeah. And then join Hawk Talk if you can. So, yeah, my apologies <laughs> if I ramble a little bit tonight, folks. Uh, but, well, I ramble every show. What am I talking about? But <laughs> just to give my own little <laughs> plug and license to shill, I literally finished today an interview with an independent filmmaker, uh, Mr. Tim Connery. He did a film that just came out literally today on VOD called The Death to Metal. Um, If you uh, are interested in it at all, it's basically about a priest who goes crazy 
and uh, kills a bunch of extreme metal heads at a metal concert. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Death to Metal. Uh, Tim Connery, I got a chance to interview him. It was a lot of fun. Uh, he talks about the film and uh, yeah, uh, some other things as well. So look for that soon as well on the podcast channel and i may put it up onto youtube though the video didn't work out too well so i may just have it as audio on the youtube but we'll see what happens so thank you so much folks stick around we hope you enjoyed this conversation we do have our actual official cannon fodder <laughs> pick next week and yeah we've got some other things lined up to close out this year so we appreciate all our new listeners that we have out in i think i read denmark and we've got a few in Venezuela now as well. So we've gone international. We welcome our international audience as well who listens on the channel. Thank you for Robert and Lee and everybody who chimed into our live feed. And now we will just say good night, everyone, and wink. Don't there you go, wink. It near Franco <laughs> still did it better. He, I yeah, he just did it. I don't look as good as he does winking no one does no that's the point <laughs> that's the point it's right no Nero. <laughs> you have been listening to a special mark productions production if you're looking for even more spoiler room content head on over to our patreon.com slash special mark productions site where you can join one of our reasonably priced tiers and get access to even more exclusive content Speaking of getting access, head on over to SpecialMarkProductions.com and click our new merchandise store link, which will take you to our store where you can get some of that sweet, sweet spoiler room merchandise and wear the logo of your favorite podcast. There's also Final Cut and Special Mark Productions merchandise as well. All kinds of things for all kinds of tastes. We thank you once again, and remember, in the spoiler room, the conversation is fresh, but we do spoil the movies. <laughs>